Welcome everyone, it's Sam Mackay here from Enterprise DNA and you're listening to the Analytic Mind podcast. So today is episode 12 of the Analytic Mind podcast. So we are slowly building our numbers here and I'm really enjoying all of the discussions and interviews that we have been having. And today is no different in this particular episode. Today I spoke with Joel Donahoe. Now Joel works for a large farming and animal agriculture and nutrition business in, in the US. And he has a number of years of experience within a whole range of different businesses actually over, over a long period of time in the data analytics space. And so what I used this interview and opportunity to do was to really dive into the differences in his experience at sort of small to medium sized businesses and also larger businesses. You know, the differences in obviously the technology that is used, the resourcing that is available, but also the strategic way that you prioritize a range of different initiatives. Because obviously when you're a smaller business, you can only prioritize so much versus versus a larger business that has more resources. But I also, and what we also highlighted in, in, in a few different ways is that when you're smaller, you can actually move the needle so much easier with your data strategies, your data initiatives, because maybe just optimizing one thing here or reducing costs on one thing here based on the insights that you can gather can make such you know, a much larger difference than if you're in a large organization and you might be doing a hundred different things and nothing really can move the, the needle so much. You know, you're not going to see enormous, in most cases, this is a generalization, but in most cases, you're not going to see a huge improvement in key business metrics just from one initiative. But you know, the, 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 on the other side of the coin, yes, you can do that in a smaller, small organization. So it was good to contrast that, and Joel described that describes that really well in this particular episode. We also spent a bit of time talking about how to map out all of your data assets, and we really dived into this term data assets because through his business, there's been some acquiring going on, there's been some merging, and uh, Joel described it described how when they went through this process, they had to evaluate the data assets within these organizations and what to prioritize in terms of bringing together you know data sets from different businesses, different business lines, different business functions of all of these uh, acquired organizations. And so there's definitely some unique tips uh, around how to manage things at uh, a large scale like that. Okay, so looking forward to jumping into this one. Before we do, there's a number of different places that you can listen to or watch this particular episode and other episodes on the Analytic Mind podcast. We have the Enterprise DNA YouTube channel, the Analytic Mind YouTube channel, we have the blog, which is our podcast blog. And obviously we've got our podcast listening, all your favorite podcast listening applications have the analytic minds on it as well. So there's a very wide distribution around how you can view this great content. Okay, I think that's all from me around this intro. You know, I, I this you know, there's plenty of great stuff uh, embedded into this particular episode. I probably haven't even done it justice in this intro. So really enjoy this one. Lot, uh, lot of, lot of great takeaways. Okay, all the best. Welcome everyone to the Analytic Mind podcast by Enterprise DNA. This is a podcast which dives into a range of different ideas and tips to empowering a data-led culture within organizations. We want you to develop the analytic mind to create immense value for yourself and your teams.
Okay, welcome everyone to the Analytic Mind podcast. Now, another really interesting guest, uh, we've got Joel Donahoe here. Now, Joel is based in Cincinnati and uh, Cincinnati in Ohio in the, in the US, and I think it's going to have a lot of interesting insights uh, around some data and analytic strategies and initiatives that he's been working on. So, Joel, why don't I just throw it over to you to give us uh, a much better background about what you've done in the past and, and what you're currently doing, who, who, who you're working with, uh, and then we can just see where the conversation goes from there. Well, thanks for having me first off, Sam. Appreciate that. And um, yeah, uh, just, you know, from a from an experience standpoint, I've been, um, you know, in, in this field for, geez, probably 25 years now, which is a little scary to say, but, uh, you know, started off more on the, you know, the straight traditional reporting side of things. And um, that was intriguing. And, you know, I think like anything, you, you just start to dive in a little bit more and a little bit more and, and um, you know, uh, ultimately understand where, data comes from and, and where, you know, information starts to become valuable. So that, that kept me kind of plugged in. And so I've had, you know, good opportunities through, through my career to work with, you know, some startup type companies, uh, as well as some fortune 500 companies. And so I, you know, you, from that standpoint, I've, I've seen a lot on a small scale and, and obviously large enterprise scales too. So that's been, uh, again, a, a great, a great experience for me along the way, I would say up until actually my current role. A lot of my time has been spent on the business side of things. You know, generally with, you know, BI solutions, you're, you're either on the business side or you're on the IT side. And, and you know, I, I've historically been on that, on the business side, be it in, you know, marketing, finance, uh, sales enablement, all, all those areas. And, and like I said, more recently now on the, on the technology side. So it's a different perspective. You know, I, I'm not going to say one's any, any better than the other. It's just a different perspective. And it's, it's good to, to get that, you know, to sort of well-round things out. So happy to talk and to you again, and, and uh, we can we can talk through any questions you have. Yeah, sounds good. So who who are you just give everyone a bit of scope around what you're dealing with at the moment? Who mm-hmm. maybe maybe just touch upon the company that you're working with now, and you know maybe just broadly some of the initiatives that you're you're touching within that business. Sure. Company I'm with now is, is called Archer Daniels Midland. They're, you know, obviously Google them and, and you'll see that they're, you know, notoriously uh, built around farming. But their their mantra um, these days is, is you know, largely it's sort of food oriented, but there's a lot of, of additional work being done in nutrition, both animal and human nutrition, probiotics, plant-based proteins is, is a new area. Matter of fact, there was just a recent announcement. They're doing some work with some insect-based uh, protein work, which is, again, this is all sort of fascinating to me in terms of yeah. how we leverage, uh, you know, food and, and to not only obviously supply food products to people, but but to leverage it in, in a number of other ways. And so that's, mm-hmm. you know, a pretty fascinating industry to, to be a part of. And then specifically in my role, um, I sit in what we call our data and analytics function. And, you know, it's, it's, largely responsible. We're in a, in a pretty massive strategic move right now to organize our data into a single repository. So I, again, I know that's not necessarily new ways of thinking, um, but at the same time for, for a company like ADM who has done a fair amount of growth, uh, especially in the last you know 15 to 20 years, a lot of the, the data sources that have been acquired remain as you know sort of one-off data sources. And so there is a large initiative, multi-year initiative underway to get that data, again, sort of in a single repository, Azure-based environment, and then to obviously be able to serve that data up through some of the BI tools that we have. So that is uh, kind of where things are right now. We're, we're 
probably, you know, one, one and a half years into about a five to six year plan. So, or, you know, okay. some work has been done, but plenty of work, work ahead. Um, and I would say the large part of the work ahead is, as, as we've been getting it, and, you know, somebody said this the other day, is that, you know, we're technologists, not marketers. So we just call it make data available. We need to make our data available to our customers. That's, that's ultimately what they're asking for. And so that's really kind of the where the energy and the efforts being put forth right now um, within my team is is starting to, to organize and get our our deliverables set up to make data available to our end customers. And those are internal yeah. customers. It's not a ex, you know external facing. This is a purely an internal service right now. Great. Yeah, there's some mm-hmm. there's some really good things I think we can touch upon yep. with that. The the one one thing that sort of sticks out when you when you talk about a growth within a business, I think that's that's quite interesting from a data and analytics perspective. And and you mentioned that you acquired like you acquired data sets, and I like the way that you framed that because it seems like more and more now the the data sets are seen as real assets. They're real assets to a business. And as you're growing through say mergers or through just expansion strategies be really interesting to touch upon how you strategically think about these data assets and then ultimately how you then are bringing them together. Like what are some of the, maybe what are some of the tools that you're using and, you know, how are you just sort of planning out and prioritizing how to bring all these assets together? Yeah. I mean, you're just spot on. I mean, you know, the, the, the challenge of growth obviously is especially growth through acquisition. And, and, and again, this is not exclusive to ADM by any means. And my previous employer was a pretty high acquisitive company. And so, you know, that, that type of growth, especially as it gets to, to data, yes, in many cases that data is probably one of the top, you know, three or four valuable assets that you're acquiring. I mean, you know, sometimes you're acquiring a a brand or a, or a trademark or, you know, something along those lines. But yeah, I think, I think to your point, data is becoming, you know, on par with the, with those kinds of, of assets that you're, that you're looking at. And then ultimately, yes, you want to unearth those and unlock their value. Now the, the challenge of course, is that, you know, the way things were done in, in that company that you acquired are not always the way things are done in the, in the current um, environment, both, you know, just in the traditional people process and technology they they were done differently. And the data is stored differently, and so that's that's where some of the, the the challenge starts to become is how do we, you know, sort of uniformly start to assimilate that data into a singular environment. And again, back to the data strategy project that I just mentioned is that's you know that's part of the challenge is you know you've got multiple ERP systems, multiple CRM systems. Again, similar language, but not always the same in in terms of you know how how fields are are defined and described and. The information contained within. So, yeah, well, I mean, we've got a, a lot of work that goes in. We've got you know a variety of systems and business process analysts that are that are largely sort of prescribed to to work on that data ingestion work or that data you know basically you know trying to find the common the commonality uh, between all these disparate data sets to to create a uniform view. We do use a, a variety of, of tools for that. Actually, the, the latest tool set we're using is, is coming from Click Technologies, and we use both their Replicate solution as well as their Compose solution for their ETL work to start to pull that data into our environment these days. So, but yeah, it's, uh, it's something that we're, we're definitely challenged by. We're you know, trying to, to get into to playbook type structures, you know, where we're actually defining you know, in the future as we acquire that next company, because we will do it again. You know, mm-hmm. trying to be more prescriptive about okay, these are these are certain questions we want to ask. These are these are act, actions we want to take as we acquire these companies. So we are a little bit more 
I think, thoughtful about the, the data as it's as it's being acquired. And then ultimately that, you know, as we as we get to that point of ingesting it, you know, we're that much smarter, hopefully by uh, by doing some of that upfront legwork to to really get into just like you would treat any kind of due diligence that you would do on, on a company mm-hmm. before you purchase them. I think generally that that due diligence is done at the financial level and you know other levels. I think data is, uh, like I said, becoming on par with that level of due diligence as well. You know, to do uh, mm-hmm. to be more active about understanding the kind of data that that is being made available by that acquisition target. Yeah, that's really fascinating, and I'd like to dive into this a little bit more because this <laughs> is something that I think with the the value of data almost exponentially seems seems to be growing over the over the last sort of five to ten years this is going to become more and more important right it's like a lot of the value that you can get from an acquisition is is truly understanding the data and knowing how to optimize the data etc so having a bit of a playbook I think is a great strategic framework to approach these sort of expansion strategies so I do want to I do I want to dive into maybe the playbook side of things first but I want to also understand click and these two functions, this functionality that you mentioned. So correct, correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like instead of sort of like a, a cut and paste into your own environment, you're sort of doing a copy and paste into your own environment. Is that, is that right? Yeah, I, I think that's that's a fair way to look at that. And then ultimately, you know, it's, we, you know, like any company, right? You don't want to assume too much technical debt along the way as you as you do that do that acquisition. Just like you don't want to, you know, bring on too much financial debt. So I think in in our case, it's initially copy and paste, and then ultimately we do need to figure out a, a rationalization strategy, you know, as well. Do, what do we want to do with that legacy application over time? Or as we bring it in, do do you make a call that you do want to? You know, no longer use that that system. Again, I think some of that gets back into the due diligence of you know the data assessment and f- making that those kind of recommendations. You know, there's there's certain things that that you do that you may want to cut and paste to use your language. There, there's other things that you do want to you know copy and paste, allow that legacy system to continue to to uh, to operate for some limited time frame. You know, you might want to put a you know in 18 months we're going to sunset that that particular application. And we that's that is actually what you know in many cases what we do is we you do put some time parameters around you know how how long you're going to retain that that legacy system. But with that in mind, yes, so the, you know the the click tools replicate specifically is more around that that lift of, of data. So we, you know, in, in common terms, we have a data lake. Um, and so that data lake is really intended for that straight data ingestion. And that's what Replicate helps us do is, is to, you know, again, lift the source as is, no transformation done, just largely it's what was in the source is, is what's going to be in our lake. And then where Compose comes in is, is more in that ETL world and starts to then you know as we think about building out the, the data marts and the data models that we want, that's where you know, Compose comes in and, and helps us in more traditional ETL space right. to help work through that. Okay, cool. So sounds like Compose is, is similar to, say, like a Alteryx type product or... Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Power, Power BI has the Power Query Editor. So, so sort of similar sort of things. Right. Yep. Yeah. Okay, nice, nice. Now, okay, that, that, that that's that's really interesting. We have I haven't had too many click users on the on the podcast so far, so it's it's good to get a, a whole variety of different perspectives on 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 things that that can be utilized within within organizations. Now, getting back to your play the playbook, what are some of the you know when when you're when you are growing and or you are acquiring, what are what are some of the you know key things that you look for, or, or that you would like have in your checklist? as part of your playlist 
Yeah, I think I just think that would be really interesting. Like, what are, what are some of the key things to look out for when you you are trying to acquire these data assets? Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously, I, I think you you you're sort of going across the the spectrum of all the call it the enterprise tools that that your target has. You know, and again, most of these targets do have you know you know an ERP system. They might they might have that that CRM system. They might have uh, try they might have you know marketing applications, for example, or or you know, obviously Salesforce or other tools like that that come into play. So I, I think in, in large part, you are just simply cataloging and understanding from an inventory standpoint what what solutions they have. You know, again, back to the the question of, you know, how how much of those applications do we need to think about bringing over? And and if we do bring them over, you know, are we bringing them over for an indefinite amount of time or some some fixed period of time? So I think those are those are sort of the fundamentals that you're that you're doing is is just you know, simply, simply understanding what's available. And I think some of those get in as you make those, again, cut and paste decisions versus copy and paste decisions is, you know, there's certain things that you're going to do in a, in a very quick fashion, you know, so financials, for example, you know, if they obviously have a GL system or, or, you know, some financial management system, you know, generally you're going to be looking to bring those over quickly because you're, you're going to want to, again, sort of get those into your own financials. So you can start to do you know, holistic reporting going forward from a, from a financial perspective. Some of the other non-financial systems then, you know, might, might fall behind in, in terms of the, just the, the stagger and uh, what you're going to choose to bring those in to the, uh, to the environment as well. So, you know, that the, I think the, the approach we take is, is uh, still quite honestly, you know, being defined. I think we're, we're, we're getting better at it and we want to get better at it. So I think, you know, part of this is we're, we're still, you know, defining that playbook a bit, but that's, that's the idea, right? Is that you, you know, are, you are approaching this in a, in a much more structured way and, and trying to, you know, templatize the way you, you go about uh, making these data acquisitions. So, but, but yeah, again, you know, largely we, we look at the entire landscape and really you, you start to value things based on, you know, some of those, those key categories of, again, traditional, traditional systems where, you know, it's transactional information you need or financial information you need. Those are obviously the high value ones. And then you kind of work down the, the, the pecking order from, from that standpoint. Nice, nice. And so I think I think a good process, if you if you were say someone was looking to build out a, pl- a playbook themselves, would be to look at an organization and then think about all of the or investigate all of the potential data assets they have, and then once you have this sort of mind map of all of the assets, then it then it's sort of maybe placing uh, some sort of scorecard on each asset to prioritize which ones that you should be trying to bring across or trying to centralize as, as a matter of priority versus, versus others. Do you think yeah, that, that, I think that would be a sound yeah, strategy? Yeah, I think that's, that's sound as well as, I mean, I, I might take it a step further and say, you, you know, you probably need to take the step of looking at your own assets first and, and then start to figure out, yeah. okay, what, what do we have, you know, and, and how are we, how are we structured as well? And then obviously then, yes, once you, once you know that, then, then yeah. you can start to figure out where those piece parts uh, align well with what your asset structure is too. That, that is actually a super point is that I bet, I bet that this doesn't even happen in a lot of co- like organizations already like uh, who, who are doing the inquiring. And and I think that, you know, as, as data is, is becoming such a, a centerpiece in how you pursue strategies, you make decisions, et cetera, it almost it's it's almost your data assets needs to be as visible as like an org chart almost like yeah. you know, even even having 
you know, that you know, as visible as possible so that you can improve the buy-in and engagement of your own teams, your own organizations before you go and uh, approach or you go and pursue any of these other strategies, I, I think could be a valuable exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's definitely high frequency conversation. I would say that we're that we have that and, and talk about, you know, kind of that visibility into, you know, can you ultimately have kind of a, you know, in, in, in best case, like a, a, maybe a dashboard of, of your environment, right, where you could, you know, by by location, you know, understand what all the applications and data assets are in, in, a, in a given location. But, you know, back to your point, could you do that at a, at a corporate level or an enterprise level and, and start mm-hmm. to understand, okay, you know, this is the, this is the full gamut. And we have some tools like that, they're homegrown, but tools that, that give us some visibility into the applications that we have. And, you know, and, and I think they're good and, and just like anything, you'd like them to, to be better, you know, as far as what the, what they tell you and, and, you know, you'd like to start to understand, you know, this application high level has the subject area inside of it and it covers these business divisions and it's got, you know, I don't know, you know, X number of users. And so, you know, so it's almost like a business glossary of all the applications that we've got. Mm. Again, we've got some tools in place and, and just, you know, we're, we just need to, to build that out a bit, a bit more because yeah, that, that kind of visibility is, is important. Not only you know, just from a data acquisition perspective, but just just day-to-day use, right? As you talk to business stakeholders and, you know, talk about data sets that they need, you'd like to be able to point them to, you know, or something that would give that give that insight in terms of, you know, this is available. You know, we have these five ERP systems and these five ERP systems, you know, are covering yeah. these 25 business units, whatever the, whatever the case might be. Yeah, I, th- I think that maybe historically that you know, everyone's sort of diverted to what 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 a data dictionary, right? But that just sounds super boring. There almost needs to be something that's a bit more engaging, you know, something yeah. a bit more visual, something a bit more dynamic. And I, th- I think that that's a valuable. I, I don't even know of a of a. a, a of a perfect tool that sort of highlights your current data assets or lets you map them out. I think, I think that, there, that, yeah, that is a I really think there's some, insight. yeah, I mean, no, I, I agree. I mean, it's, you know, like anything, I, I think I haven't, I haven't seen the perfect one. I mean, I think there's mm-hmm. some that, that do some, some things well in terms of, you know, data source cataloging and mapping. You can look at, you know, information steward, for example, as a, as a tool that's, that's very good at, at doing that, but it, it tends to lean, I would say more technical. And, and so, you know, in, in terms of database and table schemas and, and that kind of level of information, but yeah, I think what I'm describing and maybe even what you're describing is, is really kind of a business friendly view of, of that same, of that same information to, you know, just sort of bubble it up at, at a level that, you know, a, a, you know, again, a business person might look at it and go, okay, yeah, that's clearly that's, you know, that's where the GL is and the GL is covering, you know, these, these business units for me. But if that GL is sort of buried under the database schema name that nobody, you know, there's no GL mentioned in that, in that, again, maybe a business person might not pick that up as easily. And so that's, that's what we're, that's what, again, we're, we're trying to, to elevate and figure out a way to, you know, call that, you know, if you want to call it metadata, business metadata about the, uh, the data assets that you've got, mm. trying, to, trying to figure out a way to present that. Yeah, I think that that is this. I really like the the whole idea of, of doing that more, and it's not something that we've really touched upon in in previous episodes. So I'm glad, I'm glad we've we've dived into it a little bit, and and hopefully that gives some others some inspiration around you know how how you could you know, how, how you should sort of think about these these common problems or these common challenges that that organisations have. What I think would be really good now, 
Joel, would it be to just go back a bit? Because right at the beginning when you did your intro, you said that you've worked at startups and you've worked at some Fortune 500 companies. And so what I think would be interesting is, you know, obviously there's, you know, you're, you're, you're working with different resources in, in, in each of those types of businesses, right? And I was wondering if you're a smaller organization, what are some of the things that you should, you know, and what you maybe have done in the past, what should you focus on as a small organization to try and get as much out of your data as maybe say a larger organization can with a much bigger resource, resource pool? Good question. Probably have to think about, put a little thought in that one because it's been a while since the startup days. But I, I would say, you know, <laughs> the, you know, as you might imagine, you know, with the smaller company and that sort of startup aspect to it, there's not a lot of process. There's not a lot of, you know, sort of organizational. It's it's more like just, you know, just figure it out, just get it done. And so while, you know, you can appreciate that, you know, that's the kind of attitude that needs to happen in a startup and until they kind of get their their legs about them, it, you know, I, I think it, it does prove challenging because in many cases you are dealing with, again, sort of the lack of rigor. And so it's, you know, can be a little bit wild west in, in terms of, of how people go about getting data, you know, however they get the data, they, they it may drive potentially to a different conclusion than somebody else who got the same data and maybe did, did something else with it. And so I think that's, you know, kind of the, the risk of, of, uh, you know, that, that type of environment is, you know, the, again, the lack of sort of common data sets, common, common repositories, common ways of looking at the same information is just not always available because everybody's sort of moving at, you know, at as fast as they can to, to get, you know, their world or their, their chore done in that startup space. And so I think that's, you know, the, the advice I would give is, is, you know, because generally nobody wants to hear that, right? I, you know, we're trying to move fast and, uh, you know, I don't want process mm-hmm. slows things down. Is that, you know, I, I think in the absence of that, you you do run the risk that you're, again, especially with my data hat on or information hat on is, you know, I think there's a higher risk that you're, that you're, you know, potentially not driving as much value out of the data because you're, you're, you're doing things where the data could be bad, you know, ultimately is, is maybe what you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're making decisions, you're making choices based on, on data that maybe is, is not being organized and collected in a consistent way. And, and so I think mm-hmm. there's, there's just a higher risk that you're, you're going to, again, get to a, a wrong conclusion or a bad insight or, or make a decision based on, you know, maybe some, some flawed assumption that the, that the data might be telling you. So that that's kind of my my sense of you know that that startup feel from you know a twenty year ago mindset on on that one. Yeah, well, the, you know, the tool uh, I, I think would probably be on the same page here that the, the tools that w- we are able to use in the analytics space have improved out of sight in the last sort of five to eight years, right? Do you, do you feel though now with your more heavy experience in the in the in some large organizations, like I mean, is there is there some ideas that you've you've been involved with like that you've that you've gathered over time that you think could be translated into smaller businesses a lot easier now than maybe it was in the past yeah i mean i I think you know one of the things you said there is you know with especially with the tools and especially you know again in the bi space right you know you can look at a a tool like tableau or, or power bi for that matter that are you know really you know you can in all essence pick it up and probably in a day you can be dangerous you know with with that tool to to be able to to interact with data and start to 
you know, to build out different KPIs or, or views or, or, you know, even even uh, charts and mappings that that uh, you you know years ago you, nobody would have thought of that, right? I mean, you're that would that be impossible, or it would take months to to build. So, that yeah, I mean, I think that the tools that are available today can certainly speed your 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 development cycle, speed your your insight delivery again. But you know, I I always sort of go back to the fundamentals of if you know. You, you can make as many visuals and, and KPIs, but if if you know the underlying data is is not organized properly, you know, or you know, broad terms, it's just bad data. You're you're just making your bad choices off off that off that bad information. So, you know, I think that you know, as a as a large company, you know, back to your point about resources and and capabilities, I think some of the things that we do, you know, in in large enterprises like ADM and and, and some of those previous experiences I've had is that you start to interject things like master data management and data governance, and you bring in, you know, again, you know, business process analysts that are doing documentation and ensuring that people, you know, have, have better awareness. You know, we're working towards where we want to get to a point where we say that the data is certified and, you know, that you actually, you know, put a little check mark or something next to the data. So people know that that's a, that is a trusted data source and, and you can confidently, you know, interrogate that data and know that it's, you know, it's telling you what's, what the systems are, are producing. And, and so again, I think, uh, you know, those are, those are things that just as a, as a large enterprise, you're obviously able to, to do maybe that in a, in a small enterprise, you're, you're just not, or a startup, you're not maybe thinking about it in, in that respect. Now that mm-hmm. said, you know, I think that the counter to all of that is that a startup moves fast, right? And so you can pivot very quickly is if you do, let's assume you're, you're making an insight based or a, or a decision based on that, you know, good data that you had available to you. Maybe you, yeah, you recognize something in that data and it, all of a sudden it drives, uh, you know, hey, we need to turn and, and make a make a quick left turn on, on this decision on for, for a large enterprise, that's hard to do. You know, because you're 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 yeah. dealing with a, an ocean liner or a steamship or whatever analogy you want to use there, but it, that thing's hard to turn. Mm. And it and it takes a lot of effort and buy-in to to make those turns. Whereas the you know a startup is is nimble and 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 can make those those turns pretty quickly if the if the data sort of helps to to lead that decision. So that's you know I, I, that's obviously the counterpoint to to all that is that you know startups are 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 small and and, and nimble and and sometimes these large enterprises are they're they're hard to turn and, and uh, get into head into a different direction. Yeah, one one of the things that I, I I've definitely learned myself just from discussing strategies with previous guests is that fu- I think the fundamentals of your data strategy don't change depending on how big or small your organization is. It's mm-hmm. it's it's still about identifying those opportunities, those optimizations, those uh, forecasts, or you know, just the, the key insights that are going to really drive the business and then prioritizing which ones are going to say have the h- highest uh, return on investment. But And I think with a startup, a good way to think about it is that, yes, you might not have the resources, you might not have the funds, but usually with a smaller organization, there's there's only you can move the needle so much more with say one data initiative than say mm-hmm. you're in a larger organization and you've got, you know, you've got all of this, these different pools of data, you know, it could be marketing, it could be HR, it could be sales, it could be inventory management. There's just so many, the scope is so, so much wider. So it's much harder to move the needle. 
And so if you, in a, in a startup organization, I feel like if you can really focus in on maybe the, the one or the two or the three key insights or, or key value unlocks around your data, that's, you know, you can make a, that can be a, make a huge impact on your growth, your profitability, your, you know, your, your revenue, et cetera. So to me, that's sort of what I intuitively think and, and, and also what mm-hmm. I've sort of taken away from some of the things that you've mentioned. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And, and um, you know, I, a CFO I used to to uh, deal with a, a lot and you know, he always described them as levers, right? So you, you've got uh, levers that you can pull. And, and like you said, I mean, sometimes those levers are, you know, within a department. And so I pull a lever here, it might, might impact something within my department, but at this local or at the larger enterprise scale, not going to move the needle at all. You know, it's not going to, not going to change anything. Whereas in a, in a startup environment, yeah, I make that one, that lever tweak. And I just, you know, I move something 20% on my bottom line because I, I made that choice. So, I mean, the, yeah, I mean, certainly the the scale of a, of a large enterprise allows you to to do that. And, and you know, again, I'll, I'll pick on that same CFO because you talk about placing bets, right? You place bets, you might place 10 different bets on on 10 different things. And if nine of those bets don't don't pay off, maybe it's no harm, no foul, because, you know, the the impact of those was offset because this one bet did pay off and it and it paid for those nine misses that I just made. Again, if you take that same analogy into us, you might have damaged that company's ability to operate if you made 10 bets and, and nine failed along this one. So the, you know, again, there, the, a lot of these things obviously fall into you know, risk tolerance and, and the company's willingness to, to try different things. You know, obviously I, I'm always going to lean back on if the, if you, if you trust the data and believe the data, it, it helps to mitigate, you know, some of that risk because, you know, the, the data is hopefully giving you, you know, some better insights, still need to trust your gut and still need to, to trust, you know, other, other factors, but, you know, certainly having good data support that decision, I think, you know, again, helps to mitigate some of those, those choices makes you, makes you feel a little more comfortable about making them because you've got, you've got some good insight that's, uh, that's available to you. Yeah, I actually go back to my, my financial, financial roots, which is sort of, sort mm-hmm. of where like my, my background is. And, you know, a, a lot of the, the initiatives that you can take on from a data perspective uh, is very much like portfolio management, where you, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to build a portfolio of, of assets, you know, with a, with a sort of broad strategy. And then you, you obviously, you know, you're going to have some winners, you're going to have some losers. And I think the same can be said, you know, for, for your, your analytics initiatives, right? You, you need, that's how you need to think about it. And yeah. whether you're a small business or a large business, you know, your, your, pool, your, your, port, your pool of assets, your portfolio size is just going to be different, right? But you still need to right. try and pick and choose what you, what you focus your efforts and resources on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and along those lines, we do try to, you know, even with, with data and, and supporting different initiatives, we've got a, you know, a data science team. And, and so a lot of the work that they're doing it is that sort of, you know, MVP prototyping, you know, trying out different things, though, you know, again, use that analogy of 10 of those things you might try and nine may fail, but that 10th one actually is an eye opener because, you know, that, that, that was something that we didn't know, or gives us a, you know, may, may introduce another hypothesis that we want to go validate. But again, yeah, I think within large companies, you're, you, you potentially are able to, to do that a bit more maybe than, than you could in a, in a, in a startup. But at the same time, even at a startup on a, on a smaller scale, you know, you may 
three bets like that in, in one of those could, could be pretty significant too along the way. But uh, yeah, definitely would like the idea of the typical model of failing fast, you know, try, try things, you know, if it, if it doesn't work out, let's, let's punt on that one and, and you know, regroup and, and, and recast and figure out how we, how we want to move forward from there. So yeah, that's a, that's a, that's part of our, our mindset in, in the current workplace. So. Nice. Okay. Well now a couple more questions, maybe one thing that I, you know, is there anything unique that you're you've got exposure to or or that you're working on that you think would be great to touch on you know is there you know obviously you've, you've had a, a long career in the data space you've seen a lot of changes is there anything new and and and, and exciting or something that, that really interests you in what uh, you're able to implement right now in, in your in your current environment the interesting part, I, I think, you know, again, and, and again, I know this sounds pretty, pretty basic because uh, we're, we're not marketers, but you know, I, I think just knowing some of the the history at uh, at ADM, I mean, they've they've been challenged, I think, to to bring data available and making it available in meaningful ways, you know, for people to make better decisions from. And again, I know that just sounds like you know, business intelligence 101. But I think in, in the case of, of, of a company like ADM, that, that's something that they're they're recognizing. I mean, and, and maybe it just hasn't been the priority as it, as it has been in the past. And so, you know, from the executive team on down, I, I, I feel like that is starting to, to get the, the same level of attention as financial statements overall. So I think that, you know, for, for me, as you know, somebody that's that plays in this space, that's that's encouraging. That's I mean, it's incredibly important too, right? I mean, ultimately, you need that level of support, that level of buy-in from the C-suite, you know, to ensure that you know some of these things can get done and get done well. And and that's what you know, that's ultimately what we're that we're trying, you know, trying to deliver and, and make sure happens. Because that's you know, all, you know, our thought obviously is that is is more and, and better data becomes available, you get you know good data in the right hands and in, 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 in front of smart people, then, you know, it, that absolutely should lead to great outcomes, you know, with, uh, with uh, the leadership team. So, you know, very confident uh, about that. Again, I don't know if I, you know, that's necessarily interesting in terms of it doesn't, you know, what we're doing is not, not necessarily um, maybe new and different than, than, than what other companies are doing. It's just I, the fact that it's a concerted, highly supported effort is, I, th- I think, is you know, keeps it pretty interesting for me and, and pretty unique for me. And it's, you know, again, I, I would say it's incredibly important. I've worked for several companies where, you know, you, you ultimately, you know, you talk about data and even master data management and, and things like that. And people get really excited for a while. And then after a while, it's like, I'm not really getting much from this. So can we cut back on, you know, some of these data programs or can we, you know, can we maybe not do that one right now because it's just not giving me the benefit of, of you know, of something else that we're, that we're working on. So I, I think, you know, getting that level of getting and feeling that level of support here is uh, is pretty powerful. You know, for for the not only for me as an individual, but for you know the overall data teams that are working on this. So, how as as someone in the data and analytics area area within a business, how do you think that you can showcase the value more effectively to your stakeholders, so that you don't find when maybe the the organ you. Know, the organization is uh, plateauing, you know, and, and re- the growth isn't happening. How can you continue to showcase that unlocking your data assets is the key to more, pros- you know, more a more prosperous future? How do, how do you think mm-hmm. that as, as part of the space, we, we can showcase that better? over, over right. the long term. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, first off it starts with yeah delivery, right? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta 
demonstrate and show that you know this this information does matter that you can make decisions from it. I, I again, I think back to a former colleague of mine that in, you know anytime I showed him a, a dashboard or a, a KPI, his first question was so what and. I always sort of that as, as two ways, right? So what without a comma? And then so comma what? <laughs> so what in the sense of why are you showing me this? You know, tell me what's important about what you're showing me. And then the so comma what is, so what do I do now? You're showing me this great information or you're showing me this. What's the next thing I need to see? What's the next metric I need to know? Or what's the next, you know, what's the insight I should glean from this? So I always think, you know, anytime I you know, have teams build solutions now, I would sort of ask that internally, so what? Because, you know, I, again, I think as I think about how we're we're evolving, you know, ADM and, and our information delivery, it's, it's you know, hopefully we're by, by giving that information in a timely and very iterative manner, because we're, you know, let's be honest, we're not going to, I mentioned this was a, you know, it's a multi-year initiative, so it's going to take us a while. So, you, you know, as, as patient as you, you know, People want to be, ultimately, they're going to run out of patience unless you start showing them, you know, things in, at some level of regularity. And so that's important, you know, to be able to, you know, as you talk about, you know, KPIs or, or dashboards or reports or whatever the end deliverable is, that you show them progress. I, I think back in my you know, previous company, I worked at a company called WorldPay. We, we developed a sales portal for a, a new sales leader. And I think by the time I left, we were probably on the, I don't know, 18th, 19th version of it over the course of maybe three years. And so, you know, point being is that it, that evolved because we kept on finding out new ways to either add to it or improve on what's already there. But it was, you know, again, it was highly engaged and, and that's the way, you know, we, we tend to operate and I like to operate as you've got to show people, show people their stuff. You know, that's ultimately what they're, they're looking for. You, you can talk to all of them all day about master data management, data strategy, and how we're going to bring things into the data lake. And, but ultimately they're, they're saying, I don't, I don't have anything in front of me right now. So, you know, that's, that's great that we're doing all that work, but uh, until you can actually, you know, show me, show me something and show show me how it's going to help. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not there with you. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's, it's starting to, even if it's, you know, again, if you want to use the KPI analogy and they ask for 20 KPIs and you show them two, that's fine, but you better come back in a month and show them four more. In the next month, come back and show them, you know, six more. And then I fixed the last two that we talked about and made those better. And and so I think it's just continually showing the, the progress and the, the value. And I think by doing that, you're not only sort of reinforcing that, yes, we're doing our job, but it's also allowing them to to come back and say, you know, I thought this was going to be important. It's actually not. So let's take that off and let's, you know, now let's, let's talk about something else. And so I think it, it still allows for that level of engagement as well, where you can course correct and almost kind of feel, you know, startup-y, I guess, in, in that respect, and that you're able to, you know, change fairly quickly, depending on, you know, kind of where you are in the development cycle. But, uh, but hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, it allows us to, to have kind of that active engagement. So that, that's, that's really, you know, from a philosophy standpoint, that's one that I've you know, used for probably the last 10 years, you know, it was just, you know, I don't know if it was agile before agile became the, the way of operating, but that's, that's the way that we, that we typically tend to operate is, is just in a, in a highly iterative fashion because you don't want to build a bunch of stuff that nobody cares about. So back, back to mm. the, so what, you don't want it to be the, so what, in terms of this doesn't even matter to me. So we want the, yeah we want the, so what to be informative. Yeah. I think you've really touched upon some huge trends that I think have 
been playing out for a number of years now, but they're going to are going to become even more relevant in, in you know, go, going forward if you really want to unlock value out of your analytics initiatives. You know, a couple of the things that that I think I, I that I'm seeing that I think you touched upon really well is that you know the IT and analytics areas need to work closer to the business than ever before. You know, you need to generate this feedback loop and you really need to be answering the questions that the business want, wants to know. And the way that I've framed this is I call it the, the analytics flywheel. You know, you want to be doing this iterating. You want to do this prototyping as fast as possible and then getting this feedback loop and then creating this flywheel effect. And I think if you can really implement that well within an organization, that's where you're going to see the most success from these initiatives. You're also going to get the most buy-in and engagement from the business. And that's ultimately what's going to, you know, that's how you're really going to showcase the value in, in, in what you are doing with, with these initiatives. So, that, so that's one of the big trends I'm seeing. And I think, you know, you, t- you, you certainly touched upon that as well. And the other thing I think is historically, you know, historically, and even now, it, you know, it, a lot of the analysis is very descriptive. It's, it's very like what has happened in the past and you're really just showcasing that. And I feel that if you really want to showcase the value and, and constantly showcase it in a, in a way that everyone always sees value in what you're doing, I think you've got to be a bit more prescriptive. I think you've got to have more recommendations. I think you've got to have a little bit of prediction. It doesn't have to be too super advanced, but like, you know, like sort of like scenario analysis, like what would happen if this happened? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's where, you know, that, that's the sort of uh, output that you've got to aim for. You know, it, it can't just be, it's got to be, it's got to be a multiple better, multiple times better than say just the static reporting that someone could have gotten a PowerPoint presentation. You know, these new tools can make it dynamic, but they, you can also really dive into the data. You can really analyze it and, and create quite prescriptive insights that, you know, will drive decisions and will make a difference to decisions. And so, yeah, I, I think we, we, we sort of are talking about the same things and, and it's just about maybe, maybe we've got, got slightly different frameworks around, around how, we, how we approach them. But definitely those, those are the big trends that I, uh, I, saw, I am sort of seeing and, and sort of gather you, you are as well. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, especially in the predictive space, obviously, and even back to the, you know, the tools you've talked about, the, you know, the, the tools have advanced well. And, and so, you know, doing things, you know, again, that three years ago, thinking about, you know, prescriptive or predictive, you know, scenario planning inside of a BI tool was, was just, you know, it wasn't, I'm not saying it wasn't our part of, but it was just, it was not, it was somewhat challenging. And, and now it's not, I mean, that, that's, you know, you can call it table stakes in, in terms of the expectation that you, you do have some predictive power or scenario, scenario planning capability inside the tool. And, and you're absolutely right. Yeah. You, you know, you do want that ability to, to allow you know your your users to interact and, and do some what if or to do the you know if if this happens then then this you know that that kind of planning is is absolutely you know on on our radar and, and something that we we think is is uh is definitely going to add value to the to the solutions that we build so yeah we're not we're not looking to be you know there's always that historical lens that you need you know you need to understand trends and you know you know you need to understand that historical performance the you know, the current state, but yeah, more and more for sure, you know, people are, are wanting the, you know, that's great. Now, now what if this happens? And so that's, that's where, yeah, we're, we're starting to, to lean forward from, from that standpoint. 
Nice. Okay, Joe. Well, I, I, I think that's a great way to end. I think this has been a, a fascinating conversation and it's been great to get uh, a different, you know, your perspectives on things. You've, you've had a significant amount of experience in this space. You've seen a lot of change. And, and also, I think you're, you're working in a unique environment where data and analytics is becoming you know, more relevant by you know, every sort of month that passes. So you know, really appreciate, really appreciate your time today, and 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 thanks for all your unique insights. Same, same as well. Enjoy, enjoy the conversation. Cool. Okay. Well, thanks everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Analytic Mind podcast. Definitely uh, subscribe through your favorite uh, listening device, and and don't forget to leave us some feedback. We we always check it. We always trying to make our conversations as engaging as possible, and really enjoy getting on a whole variety of guests. So. Through your feedback, we we really that really drives what we are looking to do with the podcast. So so thanks for all those who've left it in the past, and uh, look forward to hearing from you in the near future. Okay, thanks again, Joel. Let's, let's wrap things up. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in everyone. It's great to be connected and I hope you are enjoying the content we're creating through the Analytic Mind podcast. If you enjoyed this session, make sure to subscribe to the podcast to get notified of each episode as we release them. If you want to learn more about Enterprise DNA and the many initiatives we're working on, check out www.enterprisedna.co. There we have a range of resources to download events to attend, and information to explore. We're leading the charge around this new paradigm we're living in, where tools like Power BI can literally change how an organization manages, analyzes, and distributes insights that can make an impact. It's an exciting moment in the analytics space. So glad that you're on this journey with us. Take care. Welcome everyone to the Analytic Mind podcast. Have a great episode for you today where I'm speaking to Prashant Nataranjan. Now Prashant is a very experienced practitioner in the analytics field and is currently working at one of the largest artificial intelligence firms in the world. And so it's great in this particular episode to get a unique perspective on how to implement advanced analytical solutions within organizations. Uh, Prasant has written a few books uh, around the analytics and machine learning space and has a wealth of experience across lots of different companies. Some include Deloitte, Oracle, uh, Siemens, and currently works for H2O AI. And so we really dive into uh, his background, also some of the uh, practical initiatives that he has worked on in the AI space. So. You know, it was really fascinating for me to learn a little bit more about a space that I'm also not that familiar with. Um, so I'm sure that will be the case with a lot of you as well. So let's jump into it. Fantastic uh, conversation I had with Prashant, a really great guest to have on the podcast. So uh, enjoy listening to this one.